Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dean Harris. We're going to update you on the business. We're going to update you on Dean. Dean was a guest on the program a while back. Interesting things have been happening both in the world of cannabis and CBD and with their business. So we're going to learn a little bit about what's going on. We're going to talk about the market. We're going to talk about you know how things have played out in the industry and how Dean and the company has uh, have pivoted and how to develop their products to kind of meet the needs. So with that, Dean, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you again for having me, Bruce. I feel like a grizzled veteran. <laughs> we're all grizzled veterans at this yes, point. Large, in the, in the we don't shave as much as we used to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, I think, but at least both of us put on clean shirts for the podcast. Exactly. So we're, exactly. We're, we're good there. Good. So just to, to recap, um, yeah. so I have a background in, in branding, advertising, and marketing. In fact, my, my family has been in the marketing and advertising and branding business in the New York area for over 100 years. Yeah. And um, I came upon this, this opportunity to, to help build a, a medical cannabis brand that has subsequently morphed into um, other products that are also plant-based that we believe will do great good. And, and I think this is both a huge market opportunity, but also a huge opportunity to, to deliver products that, that in many cases represent a 
an alternative to prescribed medication. For many people, prescribed medications either may not work effectively or have some unwanted side effects. Plant-based medicines, as you know, have been around for for tens of thousands of years, have been used in in multiple cultures, and um, that's where we're going with this. So RIP is designed to make oil-based substances water-soluble without using a technique that's called nanoparticle technology. What that means is you you grind the, the particles into a very small size. It looks like they're dissolving in liquid. They're actually not dissolving. They're just too small Suspension. to be seen by the naked eye. Yeah. And, and the, the, the issue with, with the issues with nano are number one, they can be potentially hazardous to human health. And second of all, they're not as bioavailable. I mean, there was a really interesting study done in March of this year, an NIH study, a CBD study that showed that water-soluble CBD, which is us, mm-hmm. is 4.5 times more bioavailable than lipid-soluble CBD, yeah. which is pretty much everybody else. Yeah. So we think we really have a unique product, unique delivery system. And of course, by making our products water-soluble, they can be added to food and beverage, can be consumed conveniently with an even dose, and really can be incorporated as part of, of everyday life. So the way that this works is our product typically exists in powder form. Mm-hmm. It's put in a food or beverage, either you know when somebody's consuming it or, or prior to that at the point of production of that food or beverage. The active ingredient dissolves instantly. In the case of our CBD product, it takes on the flavor of that liquid. Mm-hmm. So if you put it in iced tea, it tastes like iced tea. If you put it in chicken soup, it tastes like chicken soup. And it's a way of, of incorporating CBD effectively and conveniently as part of one's daily routine. Yeah. Is there any change to the effectiveness or the impact or the user experience or how? Well, you know, again, this is anecdotal. I mean, we've not yeah. done clinical trials on, on our product yeah. versus, versus others. But anecdotally, it appears as though um, the onset time is faster. Okay. Uh, it lasts longer. The effect is longer. Oh, and interesting. people tend to use less of it. Okay. So again, this is highly anecdotal. But I mean, for example, we've got a guy who has been using our product for months mm-hmm. who is very large. I mean, in, in excess of 300 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. So, you know, one would think he would need a, a large dose. Mm-hmm. And he's got neuropathy, which is really severe pain. Yeah. And I mean, he, the guy takes between five to 10 milligrams of our product. It it's it's helps not a, mitigate his pain. Not and a large dose, yeah. pain. Five to 10 milligrams is nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very small dose. Yeah. So again, we, we can't prove that. We have, yeah. We've not done formal clinical trials. Yeah. But anecdotally, the, the, you know, the, the hundreds of people that have used our product and have reported on it to us tend to have faster onset and um, a longer lasting effect. Yeah. I think that may have to do with the fact that a couple of facts. Number one, the delivery system, the fact that it's being consumed in a water-soluble way, mm-hmm. we know is, a, is an effective way. But second of all, I mean, unlike many people in the space, we're actually delivering the, the dose that we're promising. Mm-hmm. I know that you've probably read and your viewers and listeners have, have heard that the FDA now wants to study 10,000 CBD products yeah. to see if they're delivering the dose that they promise. And my guess is many of them aren't. So the fact that we're actually delivering what we say we're delivering and the delivery system, I think, lends to a more efficacious problem. Well, and it's it's been such an interesting discussion. We've had, you know, several guests on the program that we've kind of talked about the various kind of strategies and issues, you know, everything from this kind of particle size, you know, how the nature of the thing that you're consuming down to your gut biome and kind of all the things that happen in the digestive process that it can impact things and how, you know, different people's genetics and everything will impact. And then once that enters the system, your receptor 
setup will be quite different depending on, again, genetics and, and history of use and stuff like that. I mean, when, when people talk about effective delivered dose, and I'm using air quotes for people that are <laughs> that sure. don't see the video, sure. but effective delivered dose, like what, what are we really talking about when we're talking about delivery? So it's really simple. It means that you are delivering the dose that you're promising. So, you know, like when you go to the grocery store and you want to buy a dozen eggs and you open up the package, there are 12 in there. Yeah. In the CBD space, that's absolutely not the case. So, for example, we have a CBD tea product, and it's actually not all that easy to make certain that the dose of CBD that is in the tea, that is in the tea bag, is actually the dose that exists in the cup. I mean, we do all sorts of pre and post testing, and I think we're probably one of the few companies that actually tests the cup of tea afterwards (laughs) to, no, I know know this sounds absurd, but but, but we actually, you know, if we claim that we're delivering 10 milligrams in the cup, we want to make sure there's at least 10 milligrams in the cup. And sometimes we, you know, we overcompensate, maybe we'll put 11 milligrams in the tea bag because some of it may get get lost in in the process of getting into the brewed tea. But um, that seems like a fairly simple and honorable way of doing business. But we test all of our products afterwards to make certain that that after the the packaging, the mixing and blending, we're delivering what we say we're delivering. Yeah. Well, welcome to cannabis. (laughs) That's kind of of the nature of the industry. You know, let me ask, because I think one thing that was really interesting for me, or I was kind of curious about in our last conversation, is the sort of the branding, brand building process and how you've kind of translated and transferred your skills in kind of non-cannabis world in terms of building a brand and really kind of figuring out customers and customer needs and what you're addressing, bringing it into cannabis. And and how has that developed for you? I mean, the cannabis market has developed, you know, there's been, you know, customer, new customers have come online, people have become more educated. How have you seen kind of the brand building process sure. shift or change or evolve since we spoke last in terms of sure. the world of cannabis and how do you see that playing out? Sure. I mean, I'm not sure if that I'm, uh, I don't think that brand and marketing tend to be a, a very prominent part of the, of the cannabis and the CBD space. There mm-hmm. are a lot of brands, but I don't know that there are a lot of people responsible for those brands that, that are going through the same kind of formal steps and, and yeah. research that, for example, packaged goods companies go through. So that's something that we've done. I mean, I, I, I do have formal packaged goods training, yeah. Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, you know, the, the MBA, ran an advertising agency, did a bunch of tech-oriented consumer-focused brands that went public. So, I mean, I'm really using the same kind of techniques. I mean, we, we do heavy formal strategy. Yeah. And we did consumer research. And it, we're about to launch a new consumer-focused brand called Psy. Mm-hmm. And we hired a, a really big deal New York branding firm. So we're going to have consistency in our, in our messaging. Yeah. We're going to stand for something. It's going to look attractive. And this doesn't mean that we won't change it if the marketplace changes, but at least we're putting a stake in the ground so that our little brand is going to deliver both benefits and, a, and an image that, that's much bigger than we are. Yeah. I guess, why haven't companies done that, though? I mean, what is, is it just the nature of the cannabis? Is, is it the so. early market? Is yeah, it- I, think, I think, you know, we keep, it seems like we've all been doing this forever, but we haven't been. I yeah. mean, I think my sense is that many cannabis and CBD companies were, were much more interested in fundraising, market capitalization, mm-hmm. and in fact, boosting the image of their enterprise value rather than boosting the images of, of their brand. Yeah. My impression just as, you know, someone who, you know, has a lot of experience outside of cannabis and came into cannabis about four years ago, it seems like that the single factor or the predominant factor in most kind of 
brands and positioning of these products and stuff has been THC level. Right. <laughs> like, like right. How, how much THC can right. we pack into this into right. this product? Right. And as I, I mentioned earlier, I mean, we have a we have a health and wellness and a, and a, a medical focus. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't find anything wrong with with recreational cannabis, mm-hmm. but our sense is that people are going to want the benefit of these plants without being intoxicated or impaired, so yeah. they can use them as part of their daily life. Yeah. So that's always been our focus. And when we started with a cannabis product, it's what I talked about on our last broadcast, which mm-hmm. was got a long time ago, December yeah. <laughs> of, of 2018, before yeah. the farm bill passed, yeah. we were working with a, a cannabis, we were working with THCA, which is a derived from cannabis, but it's mm-hmm. non-psychotropic. Yeah. So we've always been in the in kind of in the non-psychotropic yeah. camp. And yeah. again, it's not because we object to psychotropic medication. Where you see the interest and in the opportunity. We, we see that as an opportunity. I mean, back then, the US market for medicinal cannabis was was estimated to be roughly seven billion dollars and it was seven billion dollars with no brands yeah so as a marketer brander i'm saying wow (laughs) this is what an opportunity and i think that opportunity still exists and and what we've been able to do i think is we've been able to morph our technology into Mm -hmm. into other active ingredients when i spoke to you the first time we weren't involved in cbd at all yeah now we're heavily involved in cbd we're about to launch our own cbd brand Mm -hmm. we're doing private label for other folks we've developed a whole series of, of CBD brands that use that use our technology. And then in addition, I, and I'd love to talk about this if we yeah. have time, we've just applied this technology to um, to plant-based terpenes, specifically mm-hmm. fruit-based terpenes, yeah. which is a fascinating market. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm sure you follow this, but there's there's been increasing regulatory pressure and headwinds, both in the United States and abroad, on the CBD market. Mm-hmm. And we think we've come up with a really interesting answer to that. So here's what it is. Terpenes are, are essentially the smell and the, the taste yeah. essence of, of all plants, fruits and vegetables. And many people distinguish cannabis strains by, by the terpenoid qualities. Mm-hmm. What we've done is we've extracted those terpenes and then powderized them, but we've done it from fruit-based terpenes. So our, our two most popular terpene, yeah. water-soluble terpene products come from orange peel extract, and from grape. These are cannabis terms, but the, the the grape is called grape ape and the the cannabis sorry, the orange peel extract is train wreck. I mean that clearly has <laughs> cannabis. Yeah, exactly. But we're not taking it from cannabis or yeah. CBD. Interestingly, fruit-based terpenes smell and taste better than cannabis and hemp-derived terpenes. And why, why is that? Just because of residual compounds no, that come in? Because, and... Well, when you smell cannabis and, and, and hemp and they smell kind of skunky, yeah. that smell is really from the terpenes. Yeah. And that's and if one were to do water-soluble terpenes from, from CBD or from hemp-based CBD or from mm-hmm. cannabis, you'd have the same smell and taste effects. Yeah. So obviously, when you're taking it from fruit, you've got a different profile. The orange peel extract, not surprisingly, smells like citrus, yeah. and it delivers a feeling of, of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same thing as like aromatherapy. I mean, people that do aromatherapy oils and stuff, that's the same. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. it is aromatherapy. It's absolutely similar to aromatherapy. Yeah. And, but what's fascinating is, so terpenes deliver these, you know, these, these moods, mm-hmm. these, these benefits that are, that are not dissimilar to what CBD is offering. Mm-hmm. But when you combine them, when you use our fruit-based water-soluble terpenes, when you use them with CBD or with cannabis, they enhance the entourage effect of those yeah. cannabinoids dramatically. And of course, they're not subject to the same regulation, yeah. um, which is, so we've got a bunch of people very interested, especially in Europe, where again, a, a week or so ago, 
European regulators said that they were going to classify CBD as a narcotic. Mm-hmm. So all of these folks that have big investments in, in CBD are, are yeah, freaking out. Yeah, it has been they feel like, oh my God, what are we going to do with all this investment? Well, one thing they can do is they can shift it to water-soluble terpenes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an allied market, but mm-hmm. also it's a market where when combined with other ingredients, it can actually enhance the, the effect of their primary uh, product. So really, in, we've only had this done in the last two months, and we've sold a bunch of it in the United States, yeah. and people are, are using it for any variety of food and beverages. We did an energy shot, a tea, coffee, espresso. Uh-huh. We've got a guy in Italy that wants to combine it with Prosecco, nice. which is interesting. But these are just, so it's fascinating because you're going from kind of this cannabis market or this cannabis product, CBD product, using the technology and then realizing you can use the same technology for fruit, but then actually just apply it to just other products we that have can. nothing to we do can, with cannabis. You can apply it to any oil-based yeah. substances. And and our so our, our IP, our, our patent pending technology that we think we're going to receive our full patent quite soon mm-hmm. is one that takes an oil-based substance and makes yeah. it water-soluble. Yeah. So we've applied this to any variety of products. And, I'm and curious, but because I know that you were you were doing this as um, kind of a wholesale, or, or you were licensing the technology, or providing technology for people to then create products, and now you're yes. kind of going direct to consumer. Yeah. Well, what I was mean, that? What was that decision process like? I mean, why develop a brand? Sure. Well, I mean, I think we're doing both. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, it takes a long time to do a B two B sale. Yeah. And we know our products are safe and effective, and I do have a consumer marketing background. Yeah. So I figured, you know, opportunity was there. We'll just invest the money and, and go direct to consumer. Our model will be direct to consumer. Our model, for the most part, is going to be a subscription model, which interestingly is something I've done in, in my past life. Yeah. And we we're interested in clearly we're interested in selling things, but we also are interested in controlling the narrative. Yeah. I mean, wh- one of the problems with with cannabis, especially, is that in most cases you have to depend on somebody else to tell your story, and they're not necessarily going to tell the story as well as you are. Yeah. So, and cannabis laws are such that the supply chain is is incredibly regulated. There's a lot more flexibility in, in CBD and, and certainly in terpenes, where we in effect can, we've built this very robust supply chain in, in Northern Nevada, but then we can also control the, you know, in effect, we can control the consumer or, yeah. or we can message the consumer better. And, and we have confidence that, that we're probably going to do a, a better job than some folks that might not know our product as well. Yeah. I know there's been a lot of kind of up and down and turmoil in the CBD market in terms of, um, you know, the supply side and a lot of growers who ended up with, you know, kind of product, you know, raw biomass kind of, you know, either on the field or hanging, you know, drying and prices dropped dramatically. How is that, I guess, how much of that has affected either, you know, the business or the strategy or the thinking and how much of this has just been, you know, kind of your supply side is... Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that one of the things that that we've accomplished since the last time we spoke is we've really secured some great partners in our supply chain, yeah. and we have a we have a partner that has a state of the art CGMP certified facility mm-hmm. in Northern Nevada. We're using what we perceive to be the highest quality ingredients. We're using broad spectrum. CBD, which means there's no THC in it. Mm-hmm. We're also using it in powderized form, and the the powder that we're buying from these folks has a CBD concentration of 40% or more. That's interesting because most folks that make powderized um, broad spectrum struggle to achieve 15% concentration. So ours is almost three times better. And, and interestingly, we have folks outside of the United States that are interested in buying our CBD powder just because it's three times more effective. What that means is if 40% of the kilo is, is CBD, yeah. you can use 40% of it as 15% 
effective, you can use 15%. So what, what, and what is the balance of it from a powder format? What are the other? There's a carrier. So again, a natural plant substance that, yeah. that the carrier. So we're proud of that. And, and yeah. it's been a struggle to find reliable partners. Yeah. Or find reliable people to work with in general. But um, we have that solved now and we have the finished product, but we've also got the capability of producing at scale. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Is it just the nature of the cannabis industry at this point? Is it just kind of early yeah. stage industry? Things are dramatic and Yes, I think so. I mean, I think yeah. that that's one that's one factor. I think another factor is unfortunately there have been many folks that have entered the cannabis and the CBD industry because they see that this sort of is a get-rich-quick yeah. scheme. Yeah. And in, in many cases, they don't have necessarily formal backgrounds on, on growing or running a business. Not that that is a requirement, yeah. but if you've, you know, if you've had the experience of, of building businesses and building brands before, it makes it easier. And, it, yeah. and it, it's easier to apply the overall, you know, overall proven effective business standards to this very new business. And we keep forgetting, I think that this is still early. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and it, God, it sure doesn't feel like it's early. It feels, yeah, like, exactly. it feels like we've been doing this for an eternity. I'm curious as someone who's obviously has a lot of experience in other industries, you know, other very developed sure industries kind of coming into cannabis. I would say you've been reasonably successful <laughs> in making the transition into cannabis, but I find that's not always the case for folks that are coming in with, you know, backgrounds in highly mature industries coming into cannabis can be a little jarring. What have you had to do or how have you had to kind of ad adapt yourself to the cannabis industry to be successful? Yeah. I mean, you know, what I did earlier in my career is I worked on, you know, more established brands, Procter, J&J, Citibank, Nestle's, Sotheby's, yeah. big companies, Coca-Cola. But um, I did have experience working in companies that were at a very nascent stage, startups yeah. in the tech. I was part of the whole kind of tech boom in the late 90s, mm -hmm. early 2000s. So I was used to working with brands that were starting very, very small. Yeah. Now, the difference here is that, you know, back in the, in the internet boom, there was an absurd amount of capital. Mm -hmm. There were tons and tons and tons of smart people that wanted to get into this. And there were literally no constraints on what one could do. I mean, there was no regulation. Yeah. And this industry has got an absurd amount of regulation <laughs> or at best regulatory uncertainty. Yeah. The capital certainly hasn't poured in. Yeah. And I, and I don't necessarily think the industry has been able to attract the best and the brightest in large part because of the uncertainty. Yeah. So, I mean, that represents the problem and the opportunity all in, in one bundle. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess the only thing that this has taught me is it's taught me persistence. Yeah. Because it's, it's just taken far longer to get things done than either than it should or it has in the past. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be persistent. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'm hoping that that persistence will pay. And I think it has. Yeah. For folks that are in other professions thinking about getting into cannabis, any questions they should ask themselves or piece of advice that you'd give them before they would, you know, make the jump and, and get into cannabis? Yeah. I mean, I, I would think that, that people will have to realize that it's still very early. Systems and corporations are not established. Yeah. The downside is there may not be all that much structure. The upside is you can help create the structure. Yeah. I mean, the downside is you know, there are many folks that, or some folks that may be operating, you know, in ways different than, than your behavior. Mm -hmm. The upside is you get to, you get to help set the standards yeah. and the quality standards for, for an emerging new industry. Yeah. So I, I think that's actually exciting. Yeah. And if, if one can live with, with that level of uncertainty, 
can, not everybody can. Yeah, no, I think that's it. With that level of uncertainty, it's it's a, a great place to be because, you know, the bottom line is you're delivering products that do great good. There's a study done by, I think, the University of Michigan maybe a year, year and a half ago that showed that, that 40% of everybody that was using medical cannabis had tried prescribed pharmaceuticals and for one reason or another, they hadn't worked and they were, you know, they were attempting to use medical cannabinoids. Yeah. And we're finding that to be the case. I mean, even more. So the fact that you can deliver many of the same health and wellness solutions with a plant-based product without a prescribed pharmaceutical product to me is encouraging and and interesting. Yeah. Dean, this has been a pleasure. It's great catching up. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get that information? Sure. Probably the best way is just to email me, dean at tabbrands.com. Great. And we have a private Facebook group. I'd be happy to, to allow people to be on that private group if they want. And uh, that would probably be the best way. So uh, again, I thank you for having me on the show again. Hopefully um, it's been a worthwhile update and it's always good to talk to you. Yeah. Likewise, I'll make sure that the uh, emails in the show notes, people can click through. Thanks again for taking the time today. It's always a pleasure. Okay. Take care, Bruce. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.